Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's the same place they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the play against them. And make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, I went to a little state fair this weekend. There was a lot of state troopers and some dancing mechanics and about a pretty good first half of football. What do you think? Man, you know, I was I was hoping that we could be the first team in SEC football history to to break fifty, you know, four games, our first four games of the season. Man, I'm I'm just disappointed we didn't get one more touchdown. Yeah, you know, we hit forty five there in the third quarter, and uh, I thought, oh, we've got all the time in the world to top fifty, and um, we just weren't able to pull that off. So I guess in the realm of disappointment, that's uh, that's a third well problem problem, right? Yeah, it's, you know, look where your program is when you're when you're wishing you could uh, break a record to score fifty points. Uh, yeah, Alabama, Alabama problems. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I will say for the listeners, right? Remember the days of you know the Beebs who we loved, and you know we'd walk away from the stadium and we've held on to a thirteen seven or a thirteen ten game, and you know you're just exhausted, right? Mentally exhausted, right? And and your voice is hoarse from you know three and a half hours of a TV game finishing thirteen to ten. So uh, definitely those days are currently not on the uh, horizon for Alabama football fans. You know, Tommy, I remember uh, specifically uh, during those years, it, I, was, I was younger and single and had a lot more, a lot more free time. And I remember like going through the pages of, of the media guide and, um, and there was a stat where, you know, Alabama ranked, even for a, a team that had a, a very good record, ranked very, very poorly on average points per per ball game, even within the conference. And I thought, how can that be? We're winning so many games. What, what, how, our average can't be that low. And I remember looking at it and I remember a wave of satisfaction when it was like 24.6. And I was like, see, we're averaging 24.6 points. That is great. <laughs> and here we are, <laughs> here we are uh you know balking at, at 45 right no absolutely and I, re- I remember here you know what couple shows ago you know i was talking about how you know this team might you know have to you know outscore people right going into the season young secondary you know uh not many guys back on defense you know this this team was going to have to win some shootouts and so now you know, that the defense is is playing the way they are and, and you know, starting to come together, you know, much quicker than we anticipated. You know, it's really just a, a great problem to have because um, the, these teams are getting behind early. They're having to abandon the run. Uh, they're having to go straight to the pass, which feeds into our base nickel. And then whenever we come in with the dime. And so the secondary is getting a lot of practice. But, you know, if they blow a play and, you know, with the kind of margins that we're currently playing off of, you know they can they can take some more chances here, right? They don't they don't have to be as concerned about making mistakes, I guess. And and so right now, if I'm a DB man, I'm just you know I'm 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 honing my craft and I'm I'm playing that bump and run coverage and 
you know, I know that if I give up a touchdown, two is going to come right back and, and put seven points on the board. And get it back. That's exactly correct. So I, I think, you know, for this podcast, we're under strict orders to say something bad about the team. I think that's what Saban gave, you know, the direction to. That may be hard to do, but uh, walk us into offense. Maybe there's something good. Maybe there's something bad you want to talk to us about. All right. Well, since we are, you know, striving to be Saban disciples here, uh, and it is a process, right? It's a process every day. Um, and every play, what has a memory and mind of its own. Um, I, I will start with a negative. Um, you know, we came out in the second half, and I think Coach Saban wanted to establish the run. I think he wanted to show that, you know, Alabama football is setting up the pass by establishing the run. And the first drive of the second half, we come out on first down and we run the ball, no yards. Second down, no yards. Third and 10, Tua bells us out. First and 10, no yards. Second and 10, no yards. Third and 10, Tua is not able to bell us out. What do you know? He misses a pass. And so we have to punt, and, and then I think that was one of the bad punts. But here we are coming out of the second half, and he's, you know, he's given his line four chances here to get yards, and on four plays, they got no yards, you know, no, uh, no yards gained. And – you know, they, they seem to be much more comfortable in pass blocking uh, as, a, as a unit than, than they are currently with the run blocking. Uh, as we've talked about, we've got guys playing different positions, man. We've got a right tackle playing left tackle. Uh, we've got a left tackle playing right guard. And, um, you know, I, Dave, I want your thoughts on the running game as it relates to I want to see us more just literally just – push the pile forward, do some three yards and cloud of dust, build up a little momentum, a little confidence, uh, do some traps. Um, but I see a lot of pulls, man. I see a lot of complicated run blocking schemes where we're pulling the right guard and the right tackle, and and our right guard's not comfortable doing that as much yet, right? Because he's a left tackle growing up. And so I, I, I wish they'd simplify some of the blocking schemes and just say man on man, hat on hat, and and, and let's just try to see how that goes. Yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, if we want to park on something that uh, where there's there's room to for improvement and and to be a little bit negative, I think it would be the running game. You know, there were only you know discounting the quarterbacks, uh, there were only three running backs who carried the ball, and you know they only managed a five point uh, or a five yard average. And again, going back to Gene Stallings' era, then that that's that's kind of what you look for. Uh, but here, especially with a passing game opening up, you would you would expect that that we would have a more robust average. And I think I think the Aggies, I think they stuffed the box. Their they, their intent was to take away uh, the running game, and and they had some success in doing that. I think it's ironic that that the biggest you know the little end around to rugs was treated as a pass simply because of the way the ball was 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 transitioned it was treated more as a shuttle pass than a run and so the run stats certainly would have looked better had you know that that big gain and, and touchdown been a, a run stat but to line up in a traditional sort of run you know back behind the line of scrimmage hand the ball off and run up the middle uh you know we did more inside runs than than we attempted to you know toss sweep outside kind of play i'd like to see us do that um, but I think there's room to improve and, and the irony there, and it's hard to even talk about it negative without sort of hinting to the positive 
the pass protection has been very good. And traditionally that's where the line has struggled. And so I feel like they're, they're good in that regard. Now they should be able to line up. And like you said, simplify some of the stuff, um, you know, run a trap or something. I, I do think that, um, that they're going to continue to gel uh, across the front. So I'm optimistic, but yeah, I would have expected, especially late in the game, let's put this thing on ice. Let's wear down the defense. We, we, at that point should have worn down the defense and then, and then you just run out the clock, run out the game, you know, on the running game. And I think that at the end of the game, you know, Coben, uh, Saban talking about not finishing the game the way that we should. I think it's all about the four minute offense. It's all about taking the air out of the ball and not being able to do that. And we haven't heard Saban say that specifically in a couple of years, but that's, that is what he was disappointed at at the end of the game. And I think that's a fair point of dissatisfaction and I think that'll be something we may come out and run for 300 yards this next week because we're going to want to uh you know put that on film and certainly get some reps doing it well this next opponent will be will be you know a good um a good situation uh to to get some practice with this right um you know you do have three tackles in the game right now, okay? Between you know, between uh, Alex uh, and your right uh, tackle and left tackle. So you know, with Alex being a, a former left tackle blocking the blind side, it doesn't surprise me that you know they're getting some good pass protection uh, because you do have three tackles in the game. Uh, Tua does have a good awareness in the pocket. He does have eyes in the back of his head. He does move around in the pocket. You know. I think he makes it easier to pass protect for, okay? He does. He um, does. You know, just, just to be fair, you know where I'm going with this. There were times last year where the offensive line didn't know. They they thought they were line. They thought they had the pocket um, set yeah. up, and then the pocket got moved on them. But nobody told them the pocket got moved on them. Sure. And so sometimes the quarterback ran into a sack. And so I do think Tua, obviously – uh, his desire is to sit in the pocket and his desire is to throw the ball. I think he also goes through his reads very quickly and he is able to process them very quickly and the ball gets out of his hands very quickly, right? And so I think offensive linemen love blocking for a guy like this because he's going to make them look better too, right? Because he he's back there, balls out of his hands quickly with his second or third progression. He's done. Right. So that so so that that's something I think that helps. Now, well, I, go ahead. I was, yeah, I I was just going to, you know, the point that I would make just right on top of that is it's frustrating when you do everything right and, and someone else does something less than right and it's sort of your fault. And so, you know, the, the, the first offensive play of the game is a beautiful example. You know, Jonah Williams is a technically, and he's, he's, he's got upside talent, but he is as technically sound as any lineman you'll see. And and he was against their their uh, premier pass rusher on again Alabama's first offensive play of the game, and Jonah gave ground, gave ground, gave ground, uh, you know, engaging engaging the lineman, and then you know, and then sort of planted and then created, uh, and and then just and then just bodied out the defender, and then created a nice little pocket, right? It's called a pocket for a reason. Created a nice little comfortable place for Tua to just step into, set his feet and throw the ball, you know, for the touchdown. And you think, 
someone else and I and, and anybody else, right? And I'm not I'm just not a veiled comment towards anyone. Another quarterback who feel who might feel that pressure and then thinks that and then runs that way, then you know, then Jonah has blocked the guy, and the guy, while being blocked, reaches out and grabs the running quarterback and tackles him for you know a ten yard loss. And 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 then Jonah's like, "Well, what the hell? I did the textbook blocking, and thank you for giving me a sack." But but Tua was able to step in, leverage the pocket, set his feet, and throw just a beautiful touchdown. And it's something that you don't notice it until you go back and look at it and say, "That is what football is. That's how you do it." No, absolutely. And and I will say with the run blocking that I just want to see more, you know, traps. I don't want to see the linemen have to pull as much. I just want to see them be able to block straight ahead and um and you know, use uh use Irv Smith and use Hale in that H back formation, uh, you know, to basically, you know, create that trap block behind them and and just mix it up some. I you know, even even the touchdown that Tua ran, right? Granted, it's great you put it on tape that he ran a you know a naked bootleg, but you know this is Alabama football, man. We get the goal line, we we run the ball straight ahead. There's nothing wrong with mixing it up, but it seems to me like we we felt like we needed to hit the edges more because we weren't we just didn't show the confidence between the tackles that I think Saban wants and I think that we want. No, I agree, and I think I think we'll see more of that. I, you know, I want to credit A and M too, though, right? I mean, they did crowd the box, and that was a goal line play. And you know, they're on scholarship too. They're one of the better, you know, more balanced, you know, teams that that we're going to face. And and something about a naked bootleg on the goal line, I really do like that. I remember Blake Sims did that, and like the whole stadium was faked out, and you know, probably less so with Tua, but it was still a nice untouched you know, run in for, um, you know, in for a touchdown. And, and I'll say this, I think, you know, I think Tua was, I think Tua's hardest hit of the game was w- one of his own linemen, you know, knocked him down celebrating, you know, the touchdown. And so he, he was, he was protected very, very well. And so I will take that all day long, but I do net out also agreeing that the run game has to has to be more physical, and I suspect that we will see that continue to continue to develop. Hey, a couple more quick things I just want to get your take on. Um, number one, I love the physicality of this young receiving core. Yeah, they're not big guys, but I just love their ability to just fight for the extra yards and to get their head in there. And you know, uh, the 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 how they fight for yards after the catch. And then how physical they are blocking on the edges, just this receiving core in general, man. We are just really, really blessed uh, to have, you know, no offense to any of the backup guys, but the, this trio of sophomores, just, man, what a what a blessing uh, that uh, we have them. Well, and and there's and a, and, a, and that's a two sided coin too, right? Not only are they are they willing and physical in blocking and they're willing to go for that extra yard, but, but they are just so damn talented as receivers to begin with. And so even if they were, even if they did have a little diva in them, you would, you know, we would forgive it a little bit because they're just so talented as wide receivers. No, absolutely. And, you know, to speak of that real quick, I I just want to quickly, um, I, I quickly want to touch on, uh, one other play by by Josh Jacobs. Uh, number one, just hat off to 
um, the play calling uh, of of giving him the ball, you know, in space, uh, the big uh, nice catch he had across the middle, you know, matched up against the linebacker. Uh, I like them still, you know, trying to find plays that they can, you know, get him involved in space and, and use his pass catching ability. But, you know, on Ruggs' touchdown, to his credit, you know, as I'm sure you saw, you know, Josh Jacobs blocked not one guy but two guys. And um, I just love the unselfish play of this team, man. I mean, that's that's what it's all about because, um, you know, Ruggs wouldn't have scored that touchdown if it wasn't for Josh Jacobs. Right. No, that I think you're right on. I hope I'm not going to mention someone that you've got in for a mini game ball, but Devonta Smith was just a beast early on, not just his – you know, and 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 it sort of personifies everything that you talked about there, right? Um, not only did he make just a phenomenal catch, but you know the the scrappy scrappiness for the extra yardage, the blocking. Um, he is just he is just an absolute beast. And and you know, last week, and I got I got you know just the biggest kick out of watching the game. One of uh, one of the points we we elaborated on last year was the depth of playmakers on offense and you get, you know, pretty deep, you know, counting up the number of players that you would not be surprised if they went out and had, you know, a multi-touchdown game. And so what do we do? The, what do we do? Our blocking tight end who has one catch on the season is a weapon and he scores two touchdowns on Saturday, uh, you know, hell hinges. And I thought, man, that is just it, right? He would be the eighth or ninth or 10th guy that you would point to and say, yeah, he's capable of having a two touchdown, you know, game. He would be on the list, but you'd be, you know, you'd be on pinky toes by the time you got to counting him. And what does he do? Yeah. He goes out and catches two. But let me, let me also, this, this is, this is credit to Tua, man. Uh, you know, he, he's a special kid because he puts the ball right in their hands, right in front of their face mask. And so even Hale, right, who hasn't caught a lot of passes, right, you increase the likelihood of success, right, when you're able to put the ball to where even the big guys can handle it. And and it just, dude, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's a situation where um, all these guys are going to have a higher success rate and he's going to have a higher completion rate because just of where he puts the ball. He, he he throws the ball away from the defender. He doesn't let them take – I mean, think about this. So far this year, right, have you seen any wide receivers get thrown into coverage and just get laid out? Has anybody been blindsided and just helmet just – I mean, just thumped? No. Not I haven't. Two, not with two at quarterback, no. Right, right. But that's my point, right? And so think about it from a receiver standpoint. It's like, man, he's going to put the ball right where he needs to put it every time. Uh, he's going to give me yards after the catch, and he's not going to throw me into a blindside. And that's a key point, right? Think about the receiver in you know full stride going for the ball, and you know, and you know that the quarterback's taking care of you. Not like you're feeding, not like feeding you like I'm feeding you the ball. No, but like like physically, he's taking care of you. He's not throwing you into um, you know, a head clocker type type of hit. No, absolutely. And and you know, just to your uh to your point about the the talent, you know, uh Gary Danielson mentioned that Jerry Judy was leading the team, I think, with 19% of the catches versus Calvin Ridley that was over 30%. So yeah. just to speak to your point about spreading the wealth, right? I mean, 
you know, Jerry Judy's our highest guy right now, and, and he's at 19%. Right, um, right. Anything else you've got before we go to mini game balls? No, take us to mini game balls. All right, so you you used to, I knew you were going to because you know you you, you like you like the hell man, uh, but I'm gonna do a combo tight end mini game ball. Sure. Uh, Gary Danielson mentioned that Irv Smith has lined up in eleven different yes. positions <laughs> yes. on the offensive side of the ball. I just want to speak to that for a minute. Uh, kudos to this kid um, for his versatility to be able to do that, and that has to just be so much fun for the defensive coordinator. Uh, on the chalkboard, wringing his hands for the whole week, preparing for Alabama, and then what you said about Hale, man. I mean, Hale does the, uh, you know, he he's the blocking tight end as they call him, right? Well, guess what? He looked pretty good catching the passes that he caught. Now, granted, he had a good quarterback throwing him the ball, but I am so happy for the kid that you know he got two touchdowns on the day as a senior. You know, he's given, you know, he's given his heart and soul to this program and. Uh, at home, and I uh, hope his family was there to watch. And glad he got him two touchdowns. Yeah, I I agree. And and you know, and I had a Irv Smith, you know, noted as well. I mean, he had four catches for seventy four yards, and and you know, they were more they were quieter yards, but he had some big plays where he would catch a ball and just physical after after the catch. Uh, and that's what you want to see from a from a tight end. And and hell, Hitches, his second touchdown. And I will neither confirm nor deny that I was high on the brown water. But when he caught that pass and we had rugs to the outside and he was kind of in the slot and and the, the like the linebacker runs up on him, like allowing himself to get blocked and Hale just sheds him and runs down the seam and all the coverage sort of slants. And, 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 and that happens after the fake. And so we draw some of the action in. The corner and 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 safety are on rugs, and the whole middle of the field just opens up for Hale, and he just catches like you said, just a well placed ball. Couldn't run down and hand it hand it to him any smoother, and he goes in for a touchdown. And I'm just you know in just that moment, I'm like, that's how you football. That's how you do it. That's how you draw it up. That's how you use the weapons that are available and just give it to the guy who's sitting there wide open. That that may have been my favorite play of the day, even though it wasn't like exciting, dynamic, diving catch kind of play. Well, it's just, you know, uh, must be fun to also be an offensive coordinator at Alabama, right? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, right? He's thinking, man, I'm glad I'm here right now and I have got myself into a good resume building situation, right? right? I mean, I mean, you know, he's living right, right? Good situation. Yeah, well, let's exactly. let's flip let's let's flip the field to defense, man. I, I want to let me, get, I let me just, give you a, let me give you my quick mini game ball. Okay, uh, I'll be super quick. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Getting, I thought you had gone to Irv Smith. There, go ahead. No, no, I uh, I'll go quick on my mini game ball. I'm going Damian Harris. Um, it, it, you know, week after you've talked about it, is he going to get to a thousand? And every week, it just seems like more and more like the answer is no. And so, what all all he's doing is cementing his status as is a player that will go down is one of the more overrated under I'm sorry underrated players ever and he just continues to cement that status he's a leader the fact that he came back I mean this is the kid that you just like you want your children to be like this guy um 
you know, just the way he conducts himself and his persona and his leadership and his unselfishness, all of those things. And you want him to have, you know, the big breakout day because he's certainly talented enough to do it. And he just continues to do what he does. And um, and uh, I, I just a tremendous player, uh, but just furthers further solidifies his position as is somebody that's going to be so underrated um, that I, at least I'm going to throw a mini game ball at him. All right, man. That sounds good, man. I, I, I hope, I hope uh, there will be some, uh, I hope based on Saban's propensity to want to establish the run that uh, Damien's in his ear saying, yeah, coach, I agree. I agree, coach. Let's, let's do it, man. Let's, let's, let's get that ground game going. Hey, I hope so, he breaks uh, off a couple of 80 yarders to, to sort of get his math back where it needs to be. No, absolutely. Hey, well, let's flip the field guys to, to defense. Um, I just want to say that uh, Texas A&M's first touchdown, man, I went back and looked at this a few times. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of the Clemson game, uh, unfortunately, with the pick play at the goal line, you know, as time was running out. I, I went back and looked, man. It did not – three or four times it did not look like he even put his hands up to act like he was trying to run a route. Uh, I want your take on it. It seemed like a, a huge pick play. Didn't seem like anything but a pick play. Uh, I think it should have been a call. Yeah, I I didn't watch it in that that great of detail, and so I need to go back and, and do that. The biggest, you know, the biggest takeaway, uh, and this is where I should have watched it a couple more times, but the biggest takeaway I had is oh, linebackers in coverage again. And I didn't break it down, <laughs> I didn't break it down any further than that, and, and I should have. Um, you know, I I figured that a and and I Tom knew that a &M, big, yeah, he ran right at Thompson. Yeah. And he literally blocked him. He was blocking down the field, 15 yards down the field. Yeah. I mean, literally blocked Thompson straight out of the play. Yes, linebacker was covering the guy who caught the ball, but it would have been the safeties. Literally, the guy, the other tight end, the second tight end took Deontay Thompson out of center field position. Yeah. Uh, he would have been able to make a play on the on the touchdown. Yeah, I knew that AM uh, you know, had a talented tight end, and he's a JUCO guy that came in, so we don't have a lot of film on him. Um, but I knew that I knew that uh, he was a talented player, and so I, I wasn't surprised that they were able to hook up on that. But you know, like you said, there there was some play design there as well. Yeah, they had they had a tight end at the line of scrimmage. They had the other tight end right behind him in the H back position, and the guy on the line of scrimmage basically ran what was supposed to look like a post route, but he literally just blocked Deontay Thompson five yards into the end zone. And then the other tight end just came right behind him on, you know, uh, for the touchdown pass. So that mm -hmm. was frustrating that, that uh, it, it, it seemed very obvious. Um, just, just want to touch on the, uh, the depth issue. You know, we, we've talked about the lack of depth this team has, um, especially at the linebacker position. Yep. Um, uh, you know, we can go to the defensive line in a minute because I think they're trying to work on that depth on the defensive line. But but obviously, you know, when Moses went down uh, on that, uh, you know, on that uh, defense in the in the end zone on a pass play, um, you know, thank goodness, obviously, for for his health and his well-being that he was OK. It, it looked uh, it looked very bad uh, on the screen. Um, but, you know, we got two linebackers who were playing in our base nickel. And, um, you know, Mac Wilson is playing first, second, and third down because he's the pass, you know, he's the nickelback linebacker, you know, with his uh, propensity to, you know, to cover the pass. And and Moses is in there on first and second down. And and just, um, 
man, just made you hold your breath there and, and just show you how there, there's not a next man up at that position currently. No, there really isn't. Um, you know, that whole sort of underbelly or, or, you know, second, second team that we would have there. And we've stepped through this before, right? There's, there's linebackers that are out. There's four that, that, you know, over the summer we would have expected to be available and, you know, at least two of them were, were middle linebackers and you, you wish that we had that. And so even going into this next week, uh, you know, I'm thinking, I hope we can give some reps to, and I don't know who to fill in the blank with. Is it Markel Benton? I don't know. Is it, you know, Ali Keho? I don't know who, who can step in and sort of get some experience and reps there. Uh, it feels like it's guys that would have otherwise been third team and uh, we need them because there is a gap there. I mean, there's a pothole in, in the Ryan, in the lineup there. I guess we got to say someone is the second team because because of math, but uh, it doesn't feel like we really have a number two. Uh, we go from one to three at that position, and so hopefully this is this weekend's an opportunity for us to get somebody some some game time reps. No, absolutely, man. And I guess what I was pointing out is is you know the score is a pretty wide margin in the second half, and we don't see Benton or McMillan or Ko in the game. And when Moses went down for those couple plays, Christian Miller stepped back beside Mac Wilson and, and mm -hmm. filled in for Moses. And Jamie Mosley came in to fill in for Christian Miller. And so, you know, we're, we're essentially running four guys at the four line. I'm sorry, five guys, uh, including Anthony Jennings at the Jack. We're running five guys at the four linebacker positions. And, you know, Mosley, you know, has not been has not been playing a whole. I guess what I'm saying is Mosley Mosley's number got called to come in and and provide some depth in this game, but mm -hmm. the other three guys did not. And and you would think in a game with that kind of margin in the second half, that that I wish they could have got in against the Texas A&M's, the the KO, the McMillan, and the Benton. Yeah. No, I agree, and and you know, and you're right, right? You want to take. Um, the fact that Christian Miller or Christian Miller moved over there is really the example of we don't have a number two because we have to go manufacture, you know, where's our next best linebacker in, and it's, you know, it's Jamie Mosley on the outside. So we have to take an outside guy and move him in. Well, I don't want to see Christian Miller play the second half next week, just getting reps in the middle, right? That that's not what we're talking about. You know, we may have to sort of emergency drill. How do, how do we, how do we manage an in-game sort of life situation? But what we're really saying is we need some dudes to step up and be that second guy that, you know, that can that can play that position um, and to keep Mac from ha and Dylan from having to play, uh, you know, late into ball games. Uh, well, and I guess and I guess that's my point, man, is, you know, next week against the Raging Cajuns, if the score is, you know, 40 to 10, then I hope we see these guys. I'm just wondering why we didn't see them this week. Right. I mean, because if they blow a coverage and give up a touchdown, you're still up by 28 points. I mean, right? I mean, like, wouldn't it be better to get them some reps against the Aggies and Kelly Mond as opposed to the Raging Cajuns? Well, I mean, I, I think I, you're quite. I think I think I <laughs> I, I get. Think I, of, hey, listen, I get it. It's a 10 yeah. point game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but it wasn't. The game no, wasn't in doubt. You know. Well, but I I think I think your question. And I'm trying to think of a clever way to say this, and there isn't. I think, I think the, I think your question is part of the answer too, though, right? 
we don't feel we don't you know Kellen Mond is is a is a running quarterback and and had some success doing that as much as we would like to get these guys experience doing that they're not ready to do that so and we didn't want to we didn't want to see Kelly Mond run up the middle for 80 yards and Bryant Denny and score like touchdowns that's really what you're saying yeah, that's what right I, yeah okay yeah that's fair um what what else jumped out at you on defense you know, I like I, I don't like that we gave up almost 400 yards of offense, but you know, this is a team that was averaging over 600 and so there's some proportionality there. I didn't like giving up 23 points, but I get it. Um I liked um I liked somebody and you were going to take us to the offensive line or the defensive line. You know, I like Bugs having a really big day. Um and he I like Isaiah Bugs. I think he takes plays off in a way that some some guys don't. Uh, but when he when he's on, he is on. And he was on Saturday with you know seven tackles and and three sacks. Um, and then you know Quinnen, I thought had limited stats, but but he was he was really active. Um, and he's got a good motor and, and quickness. So I like I like seeing that. Uh, I can probably talk about the secondary a little bit, but I'll pause. I know you wanted to talk about the front. Yeah, just like we've talked about with linebacker, right? And maybe the linebackers are just not showing that they're ready to step up and, and be in that position. But, you know, Johnny Dwight, um, redshirt senior, um, uh, I, I thought a couple times uh, he even beat some double teams when he was in. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought Mathis got some good run. I thought LeBron Ray continues to get more snaps. And so, you know, we we saw uh, between you know if we just keep Jennings, we'll just keep Jennings on the you know Jennings and Mil Miller you know as the uh, you know more of their their jack position kind of deal. So we're just going to call it three down linemen, even though we have four guys with their hands in the dirt. Mm -hmm. We saw six guys. You know now years ago we had twelve guys. You know on the front. You know the depth on the front line, and 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 that was awesome. So right now uh, with Ray and Mathis and Dwight. Uh, getting some run here uh, and and looking pretty good when they were in there, um, that's big because that gives us six guys, uh, you know, and and it and it did give some some time to Williams when when he went down, when he read that screen and and fell back awkwardly and looked like he yep. tweaked his back, and um, you know just just giving some help to Bugs and Davis, and so uh, Ray and Mathis and Dwight stepping up uh, and continuing to play well. Uh, will be huge for those front those front three guys in front of them. No, I think that you know, and to underscore that, you know, juxtapose that to the conversation we just had about middle linebacker, where we're not bringing those guys in, and so on the defensive front, there was comfort in bringing in a Dwight and a LeBron Ray and a Phil Darian, and you know, later in the game, the Tavita Muscup, uh, you know, got some reps in, and so whereas a Markel Benton really didn't get any run, we brought in Tavita Muska. Uh, or Masaka, Masaka, and so we are seeing a you know the depth sort of build out along the front that we're not seeing build out in the middle. No, absolutely. Hey, a couple more things I want to mention real quick. Um, one of them I'm actually going to just hold off of for my mini game ball, but the other one I want to mention is uh, Xavier McKinney. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. I just want to mention that you know. We came out there at one point and said, you know what? We've been sending four guys, and we haven't been getting as much pressure as we normally get with four guys early in this game. 
And so we're going to, we're going to start mixing it up and, and bringing some, you know, a fifth and sixth guy. And we're going to start mixing up the looks. And there was one play in particular where, you know, McKinney is in the slot and it's a third down play, third and six, third and seven, something like that. And Deontay Thompson slowly walks up very, very carefully, a couple yards right at the snap. And McKinney is in the slot, but he literally with his speed was, you know, the slot was out probably, I don't know, seven yards from the left tackle. And so just for this young secondary, what gave me a lot of comfort is McKinney timed his run perfectly. Um, the defensive end has a um, has a stunt inside the left tackle, which brings the left tackle in to the guard. So he doesn't mess with McKinney. Deontay Thompson slowly creeps up a couple yards right at the snap to cover the guy that McKinney had in the slot. And it was just a it was just a perfectly designed blitz. And 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 just how Deontay Thompson and McKinney played this with their, you know, granted one's a red shirt, red shirt junior now and one's a true sophomore. But when we talk about this young secondary, these are these are some smart guys back there, these two safeties, man. And just like with wide receiver, man, how lucky we are to have these guys step up and just watching them go through that play, man. It was just it was awesome. No, it really was. And and the point that I was gonna make on McKinney. Uh, you know, who recorded a sack on that and got seven tackles as well. You know, if he's if he is if if he is struggling or if he's not sort of fully mastered or he's only just like barely keeping his head above water at his position, then he doesn't get to do this, right? This is a progression. We've talked about Saban, you know, giving people bite-sized roles and you know. And, and so master this and we'll give you more. We'll put more on your plate as, you know, as you demonstrate that you can handle what what's already there. And so the fact that, you know, now, now he's demonstrating a, a, a blitz threat, then that just says the dude is progressing and he's mastering what he's already been exposed to and sort of allowed to do, if you will. That, that he gets the opportunity to do more. And that's where some of these secondary guys under Saban are just, they, they really become phenomenal and dynamic in what they can do because they can do so many different things. And so it allows, you know, you can be versatile, but you can only be versatile if you can do the first thing. And if you can't do the first thing, we're not going to screw around with trying to do the second thing and the third thing and the fourth thing, do the first thing. And so I just I, I like seeing that from McKinney because it it's it's a milestone. Like from watching from afar, you can see, yep, he checked a box somewhere, and now we're seeing his game grow and develop as a result. No, absolutely, man. And you know, to that same point, you know, we can talk about you know Trayvon Diggs. Yes. Uh, you know, converted wide receiver uh, and his comfort them 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 being comfortable uh, moving him. Uh, on their dime package, uh, so where you know they are they are able to bring back in Savion Smith, um, and they're able to to move uh, Trayvon Diggs to the star uh, in the dime package, and and they're able to drop you know Carter back you know to a safety position, um, and you know Trayvon Diggs man uh, is continuing to play better before our eyes. You know that 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 pass interference that he had. Um, you know, on that one play where it would have been a touchdown, 
Um, you know, we saw that wide receiver, or I saw that wide receiver, you know, dominate some jump balls against Clemson. You know, yep. they should have beat Clemson. And and he was a beast in the air with the ball with his six foot four frame. And um and and both Patrick and Trayvon uh was matched up on him a few times and um and 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 played pretty well and, and shut him down pretty good. All right. Um anything else on defense or you want to take us to mini game ball? No, man, I'm gonna do mini game ball. Um I just want to go ahead and and uh and and give, you know, uh I, I guess as far as mini game ball, I, I'm gonna go back and 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 give it to Trayvon Diggs uh, okay. for the reason I mentioned. Um, you know, just just Dude, there was a, you know, I, I guess I'm going to do a, du a dual mini game ball, man. Good, I'm going to give it to Trayvon and Patrick Sertain. Okay, good. Uh, and, and Trayvon and Patrick both, okay, were in position at times. Like Trayvon Diggs, it looked like he was being the wide receiver, right? And the Texas A&M guy was keeping him from making an interception and, and was playing the DB role. Yep. And so Trayvon Diggs was in the perfect position that you would have thought that we were on offense versus defense. And then Patrick Sertain, man, obviously he's got the bloodlines with his dad having played in the NFL for so long. And, you know, Saban's ability to get the Minka Fitzpatrick's of the world and, and get the five-star talent because of his, you know, secondary prowess. Um, I think we saw Patrick Sertain grow up a little bit more today uh, or in this game because yes. he was matched up against, you know, some very, very good wide receivers uh, and got a lot of reps out there. And, um, you know, that that interception he made, man, just like Trayvon Diggs, he was in a better position than the wide receiver on the ball, and that was just a fantastic play. I just want to point out that that is second level um, producing on the fly because I was paying attention to who you were not saying, and I so wanted to talk about that catch, that fingertip interception by Patrick Sertain. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. Tommy has listed every DB on the team, and he's trying not to say he's trying not to say him. And and you finally said Patrick there at the end, and I thought, okay, but I think he's still going to go back to him. And did he not look like Stretch Armstrong? Like like did his fingers not like grow to reach out? How he reached out and plucked that ball, I don't know. That was a phenomenal play. He is growing up right in front of our eyes. It makes me think of. And it's a different player, different position. But it makes me think of when we first saw um, um, C.J. Mosley pop. And we we're like, dude, that guy is going to be a player. And to me, it just feels like Patrick is – we're seeing that from him. Like He's, he's playing him. with a lot of confidence. He's yes. playing with a lot of confidence. He really is. He really is. And so, I, you know, I would tell folks out there, watch this guy because – he is a he is a playmaker, and then Trayvon, you know, you mentioned him, and and he had you know quite a number of 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 you know tackles, and so the fact that he's demonstrating some versatility and certainly contributing uh, speaks uh, speaks really highly of him. I'm going to go uh, for I think purposes or reasons already already discussed. I'm going to go my mini game ball, uh, Johnny Dwight. You know, he had half a sack, he had some pass deflection. Uh, he has been seeing limited action uh, so far this season. Uh, at least one game he didn't. He, I don't think he logged any any reps. And you know, there's been a couple of reports where he's missed some time in practice, which that could be any number of things. Um, but uh, the fact that this guy, redshirt senior, just like you said, um, 
no one talks about Saban's redshirt seniors, right? Because you come in and you play as a freshman and you leave, you know, as a junior. And so no one talks about, you know, that fifth year guy. But Johnny Dwight is a guy that's been a plugger and, and a contributor through the years. And his role has sort of grown and grown. At one point, we tried to do something with him at tight end. We needed some beef there. He's come back over to the defensive front and is in – a rotation, not the maybe the primary rotation, but isn't a secondary rotation. I think he's going to continue to get reps, continue to get play. And by the end of the season, he's going to be a guy like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's added some depth to the team, So, which is what we need. And we said this preseason, we said this early season, we need this this depth to bubble up from somewhere. And uh, we're going to we are getting and going to continue to get some of that from Johnny Dwight. Absolutely, man. Well, let's flip the field to to special teams, man. Do you you want to you want to start with kicking the ball out of bounds on the kickoff, or you want to start with uh, some of those shank punts? <laughs> Take your pick, right? <laughs> man, Saban, Saban, when when we when we had the first shank, man, he tried to not run on the field and get a penalty. He could not get to DeLong quick enough. To, right. to to chat with him. I mean, he really couldn't get to him quick enough kind of deal. And um, you know, and and he didn't, you know, he didn't he 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 didn't yell. He he just, you know, was giving instruction and and um, you know, DeLong had um DeLong had a great ball, right, on Henry Ruggs's, you know, catch at the one yard line. So let's yeah. be fair, right? He is a true freshman too, right? And he's it's kind of like whoever's going to coach behind Saban is going to have a lot to live up to, right? I mean, this kid is coming behind, you know, maybe one of the best punters Alabama's ever had. Yes. And so um, I want to keep this in perspective that he is a true freshman, um, and and he you know he he beat out a, a more veteran uh, you know college transfer to win the job, um, but just you know had a couple shank punts there, gave him some bad field position, and you know that was a little frustrating. Yeah, it really is. And and so, you know, and there's and there's sort of a double barrel thing, you know, not only is he coming after JK, uh, but JK came in as a true freshman and and just knocked her by socks off. And so, you know, JK was the you know, the name punter for four years. It's not like he waited until his junior year, right, to to sort of bloom. He came in from day one and was and was booting. And so there's almost a double barrel high expectations. You're a, you're a highly rated recruited punter to come in. Oh, well, you must be the next JK. And which makes it very hard for him to be, you know, the first Skyler. Um, he's got to get better. The good news is there's room on this team to get better, right? That, that you know, there were times, right, we would – a 36-yard punt was cringeworthy because – Ah, that really backs up the defense and that really and those things are true. They're still true, but the impact is not the same. And so he's in a he's in a safe environment to to improve, but I just really want to see it. What about uh what do you make of the uh uh Bulovus hitting a 49 yarder? That's that was nice. That was good to see. It was good to see, and you know, it, the situation presented itself right where that could happen, right? Yeah. And so, and what was hilarious was the crowd's reaction uh, to it. Yeah. Uh, and and you can speak to this, you know, even more, but but uh, just how uh, ecstatic they were, right? Uh, and and it was good. It could have been good for a few more yards, right? I mean, he he drilled it nicely, and so uh, it could have absolutely been good for uh, uh, you know at least five or six more yards and. 
And, you know, we might get in a, I hope we don't get in a situation where we will need that. Uh, but that was some good confidence for the kid to, to, to drill a 47 yarder. Yeah, it really was. I mean, he hit, he had a 40 plus yarder last week that we talked about, you know, specifically there's no downside in putting him out there to do that. Um, you know, we don't need the points, but if he makes it, he can build some confidence on that. And so this is another example of that, um, you know, hitting a 49 or you know, 49 yarder, I'm, you know, in the halls, they will talk about it being a 50 yarder. Right. Um, so you can say that number. Uh, but, you know, the fact that 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 he made that um, that has to that has to be a relief for him. It has to be a relief for the team. Like you said, we hope we never need it, but it's good to know that we have that. Um, and, and, and I thought, you know, I perceived it as, as an authentic cheer. Um, you know, we miss some PATs and go make a PAT and there's a very sar sarcastic cheer that happens. Um, I thought this was an authentic cheer that oh, yeah. uh, came out. And then of course he was six for six on PATs, which is, you know, as we've learned early in this young season that, um, we shouldn't take those for granted either. No, we've talked about when the door's open, right? You got to walk through it. And, uh, that's what this kid has done. And yep. so, uh, so good for him. So, so next week we got, uh, we got a Justin Wilson special with some Cajun spice, uh, coming into town, the raging Cajuns and the return of, uh, Billy Napier. What do you say on this one? Man, we're going to break 50 again. Um, you know, he's not going to want to make Billy look bad. Uh, you know, cause that's just the kind of guy he is, but I don't think he's going to be able to prevent a couple of these late touchdowns. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking we're probably going to be looking at, I think he's going to be frustrated that, you know, we're probably going to, I'm going to say 59, I'm going to say 59 to three. Um, and, um, it, it's gonna, you know, it's going to be uh, a boring JP game for some of the fans to, to watch that. Well, they'll see the fireworks and, uh, hopefully they'll see the backup players that, that we like to see, uh, get into some of these games. Yeah, I'm looking over my shoulder to see if if you're reading my notes because um because I'd written down 59 to 3 as well and I think this may be the That's first time we've awesome. ever picked the exact same score. all the years that we've done this show, man. That is hilarious. <laughs> That's nuts. Um and and you know what what I looked at is you know, they're an under, they're an underman team. It's just, that's the reality of it. And they lost to Mississippi state 56 to 10. Um, I know Mississippi state has, has put together um, what may be a pretty good squad this year. And, and they, they just lost to Kentucky and we talk about Kentucky maybe at another time or, or not, but I just think if they're going to lose to Mississippi state by that much, then it truly is a write your score, you know, situation. And it's, it's one of those games where, you know, I could we and we've seen this before. I, I I predict a moment late in the game where the there is this conflicted coach Saban, where he wants Ronnie Clark to get himself a touchdown, but he doesn't want to see a touchdown added to the scoreboard. And so I we'll just be able to see that 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 conflict, um, and that'll be fun to watch because I you know I predict this is and this only means something you know, to those of us who sort of track this kind of thing, but it's a Ronnie, it's a Ronnie Clark touchdown kind of game. Yes. But then we got Damian Harris, right. Who, who needs to get his average up. Right. And so we got the Brian Robinson's also lurking yep. and, and Damian's a team player and man, it's going to be interesting. Like, like we should, if we had more time, man, we, we should try to break down the number of carries each one of these backs are going to get because, uh, 
We also got to give some love to Damian Harris because we want him to get that third consecutive 1,000-yard season. I think, yeah, I think I 100% agree. And I do think, and, and I sort of mentioned this earlier, and I – and I'm serious. I think, you know, and, and Damien, Damien can do it. We've seen him do it. And so if he comes out early in the game and and is able to break a couple of long runs, I think that, and I hate to say this, I think that might be what it takes for him to break 100. Is that he may go have to bite off 60 or 70 of it in one chew, right? I think after that's he's, after after he's already had 20 or 25, 30 yards. Yeah, right. What, or, yeah, or just, yeah, yeah. I think that's. And and I know this sounds odd to say, right? Because you want to feed your primary back, but this is a different team. I think for him to get a hundred yard day, he's going to have to have a seventy yard spoonful. No, absolutely. And I hope he gets it, man. I do too. I do too. I just think, like you know, he's not going to have a hundred and fifty yard day because he's not going to run two of them seventy five yards. If he runs one, he'll be done. He'll be asking the coach if he can, you know, get another one. Can I please get another carry. Yeah. And that's and and that is and again, you have to, you know, the context is that's how much talent is on this team. That is not a knock on Damian Harris. That is a nod towards the rest of the talent on the team. And you know, I just think that to me, that is a compelling, interesting kind of thing. And We'll see. We'll see if he's able to do that Saturday, and I certainly hope so. No, absolutely, man. All right. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, coach? Of course. Roll Tide.